Welcome back, Austin fans. Man, oh man, I tell you, it gets easier and easier to jump on a podcast when you continue to keep winning and winning and winning every week. <laughs> Alex, what's going on? It is a completion of week six. Uh, we're finally on a bye week. Uh, Alex and I are recording this a day later than we normally do because, well, bye weeks just throw us off and I've recorded yeah. other podcasts that you guys are probably wondering, well, why did Dustin go talk to somebody about rugby league and the NARL? And um, that won't be discussed on this podcast. They got their own separate one the other day. So, uh, but all kinds yeah. of good stuff. Alex, how's your week been? Were you, were you live at the match this past weekend cheering on the, the AGs? Uh, unfortunately, I was not. I actually did. I bought tickets, but then um, it was my uh, my folks were in town from Mexico, and we were all going to go to the game. But you know, um, they're not in town all the time, and you know, our grand grandma's getting a little older, really a lot older. So um, <laughs> maybe be better to just spend the evening, um, you know, doing dinner and stuff. That's awesome. Um, hey, that's okay. But, you know, I made I made up for you. Yeah, we still watched the game, so um, I know, we just but didn't get we there in person. In in person, I made up for you because I did make it out to the game. You made it out first was, one of the year. I was there first one of the year. Uh, you know, so, what section so, were you in? Uh, I was in was it one nineteen one twenty row two. <laughs> I was right My, behind. The, I was right behind uh, our our one our wonderful friend Amy. I was right across nice. from her uh, in two seats that unfortunately. Um, uh, I think uh, Aaron and June haven't been able to use this year. So uh, we sat there um, and just enjoyed the enjoyed watching the match and you know, just seeing the boys go out for, for a fantastic win, really. <laughs> yeah, I probably, I mean, to this day, probably the best AG's performance ever. <laughs> yeah. Best, um, best Austin elite, Austin Hurd or Austin uh, Gilgroni's performance yeah comprehensively i i think uh yeah. from 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 forward play to um you know to back i, I tell you what the backline play leaps and bounds right um i i get i was getting text messages from people going who is this austin team that's making these amazing offloads and yeah you know making the defense look just absolutely terrible and, and I said, I don't know, like, I, this is the team that we, that you and I sat down and talked about at the beginning of the year going, man, when these guys start linking up and they get their structure yeah. right and they fall into place, like, you know, what, once they get their form right and they're like, I need to be here and we get our system locked down, then yeah, then they're going to be great. And of course we're just waiting and waiting and waiting and every week you and I keep going. So once that back line start, <laughs> starts yeah. linking up together properly, right. uh, but man, let's, uh, it, it's that game was, I, I to be in the crowd, one, I, I want to give my thoughts on that. So it's the first game of the year. I wasn't at the, the first match of the year, which I heard was really great. Each match has been better and better and better, right? From a, from an right. on-field play. From a stand, being in the stands and just seeing the energy level, the excitement for the people that are there, seeing the, just the enthusiasm around the organization. Yeah. It's you have to be excited as an Austin fan. Um, somebody's like, oh, it didn't, there's what, a thousand people that were there. I said, no, and that, like, because we're all spread out. Like it's a 5,000 person mm -hmm. stadium and you can, people were sitting in the tri zone and people were sitting down in the, you know, we'll call it the beer garden, you know, where the trees are mm -hmm. and stuff behind. And people were everywhere. Like they were just spread out. Like I have a feeling that once, you know, it may not be this year or maybe it'll be at playoff time since, 
you know, we're, we're pushing for the playoffs now, um, right. that we could potentially see a f- 4,000 people at a state at this, at the stadium cheering the team on. And I really hope that that happens. Of course we all do, but, um, I, I just, I don't know for me, uh, it was an experience that we hadn't seen at an Austin rugby match. <laughs> Uh, that yeah. I hadn't seen. So you may have seen it if you've been out to the game. I hadn't been. So um, it was it was still kind of, uh, man. Yeah, it was it was a great feeling, right? You, like you finally, yeah. Te- teams playing well. People are supportive. There's more new fans there every single week that are continuing to bring people back. And that's that's been the biggest thing that we've been trying to push, right? Is how do we continue to grow the game to have you know a sellout crowd, uh, which I would love to see. So anyway. Um. I mean, I, I bring my friends out to the game that don't even play uh, rugby. And then, you know, last week with ATL in town and my brother playing with Atlanta, our whole family came out. Yeah. And everyone that's like not even rugby people necessarily or rugby players uh, have had such a uh, resoundingly positive experience that they have been saying like, yeah, when's the next one? Like we want to start coming out to this because it's really cheap. It's really, you know, oh, yeah. very high quality. Yeah. And it's, uh, and it's super fun. It's just, and you know, when the, when the whole ownership came in, like they made it a point that they wanted to make game days an experience, like a comprehensive, wholesome experience oh, beyond sure. just, the rugby match and that's like i mean they put so much effort into it it's a blast and you know the two dollar tall boys doesn't hurt <laughs> no it doesn't it doesn't at all well i mean i think that that's that's part of it right i you know there was last week free parking five dollar entry two dollar tall boys so you know yep. if you're going out you, you know, seven bucks just i mean you know to start off with i mean depends on how many tall boys you want but yeah you know, it's for professional sports in America, you go out to a baseball game and you're spending a hundred and something bucks for a family of four. Easy. Yeah. Easy. A hundred. Oh, for, bucks. oh, way more. Maybe yeah, way 200, more. Right. For tickets. Yeah. Been, like any sport. I mean, it's like football. $16 for a beer too right? at a baseball game. Like, you know, I, I think this is why I, I see the growth of rugby being really great because it's accessible to people. It is. I, I know we're kind of diverging from talking about the match, but th- I think this is important. Like, yeah. We're it's it's important that people see how accessible it is. Come out, bring the family, the kids playing flag flag rugby out in the in the giant you know field like a field area, but like the giant grass area ahead of time. Man, that's fantastic. Like that's yeah. fun. Parents are watching, having a good time. The players who aren't playing that match are out there and just having a good time. And and I think that that it says a whole lot. And that's, that's kind of how I mean I, the yeah. the um the band before the game too oh, is yeah. great. She like was, it's, I forget what her name was. She was fantastic. I'm like, oh, but just rounding, but just week by week, like you just you bring more people into the overall experience. Like now you're getting musicians and, you know, I know we talked a lot about it before the year, but it's just awesome to see the whole organization tapping into the city itself and kind of the culture and roots of the city. It's just, I think it's special. And um, honestly, like it is some of the most fun professional uh, sporting events I've gone to. Like, you know, obviously NFL and NBA and major league baseball are skill wise on such a different level than anything else really that we see that that's a spectacle in and of itself. But I mean, the rugby game is very, the, the quality of the rugby is very high and it's very fun to watch, but it's also like, 
it's so cool to be right there and be a part of it. Kind of like, I think I liken it to my mom used to see Stevie Ray Vaughan play, probably saw him play 50 or 60 times up close and personal in Austin before he became super big. Mm -hmm. And it was like, that's a experience that once he got super big, everybody would have traded a ticket to go see him up close and personal at, you know, at at Antone's on a Tuesday night. Like, I can't imagine one of my, but we're seeing, you know, yeah. We're seeing Stevie Ray Vaughan right now. There you go. This, this is <laughs> the, the Stevie Ray Vaughan of, of the rugby world. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it, it was a great experience. If you haven't been out, uh, go, like, just go out. Like, you've, we've only got three more home games left, which is, that's that's the sad part, right? We are so front-loaded in, in our home games because of, you know, just trying to space things out and working with COVID with other, within different cities, which I think will change in the coming years. We, we're, we're, guar- well, we're guaranteed three home games. Then you have playoffs, which could bring another home game. Um, and I, I don't know what we would have. Is. We would have to, wouldn't we have to get the number one seed in the West? No wild. Cause there's a wild card. Oh, so it's, so it's six teams make it and two get a buy. Yes. So the top two okay. get a buy in the East and the West. I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's the way <laughs> we've been, I was talking about okay. some of the people, but I'm pretty sure that that's the way it is. Um, and so basically that we would then, you know, we would get the first home game if we, you know, if we're second place at, which was where we're sitting right now if we're second place, we would get a home game, but then we travel to you know, LA. If it, if it's season ended, it ended today, that's how it would work out. So, um, you know, again, you get a home playoff match. Like that's, who yeah. who wouldn't want to like pack the place for that? And so right, yeah, good stuff. Let's get to the game, man. Um, obviously, you know, while watching the game, we started off. We didn't start off very well. Like we had a yellow card. Robbie Kutsi, you know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. got penalized eight minutes and yellow carded. And you know, I the the great thing about it is Austin shut down the attack multiple times, multiple times. And, you know, they, you know, we actually gave up the most points in the first 20 minutes that we've given up all season in a single try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. We've right. given up three point, only three points in the first 20 minutes of the entire season. Uh, so Seattle kind of uh, jumped on the board, scored a try there. Um, and, and, you know, to give Seattle credit, like they did pretty well um when we were a man down <laughs> but they didn't do really well the rest of the match so that was uh um it was kind of rough for them but you know they did they scored scored the try i think it was ross neal scored that first try in the 16th minute mm-hmm. um and he really just kind of broke through the line like he's a big dude like if you, if you yeah. watch him he broke through the line scored pretty well um and then uh, you know we had kind of the hydration break um, that came after that and probably two of the, my picks for players of the match linked up with, you know, Ned Hodson, man, talk about a game. Like he was yeah. on the, on the team of the week. He was, at, he yeah. was lights out. Like I felt like he had so many offloads. So like try assists. Uh, I think he had six, was it six or seven tackle busts? Uh, I forget what the actual number was now. Yeah. I'm thinking about it. So following up on his, as, as we finally identified, uh, following up on his heroic strip <laughs> yeah. against, uh, against ATL the week before. Yeah. I had, think he's a, I, he I think he's a phenomenal players. player. Yeah. He's played really well. I mean, remember, how, remember how 
much of an impact he made that first season when he came in. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, he opened the, the game up quite a bit. And then he kind of disappeared. Yeah. And, he, and I, I would say this, like the first couple games that Ned was playing at inside, I, I just didn't feel like he was really, I mean, he just came into the season, got, got a little knock and, and didn't really start the first couple, was in the first couple of matches. But once he started getting rolling, like you'd see him getting better and better, getting more involved, maybe not having, a, you know, a, the best games, but you know, the last, last, the last two games, you can tell the impact that Ned's made. And I think he and Bryce are now really starting to play together. Well, I mean, their combination had almost 200 meters carried, um, yeah. you know, for, for two centers, man, that's, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, obviously, you know, we, we can talk, you know, we were down five, you know, five to three or what is it? Uh, uh, Matt, so I should should go back. The Mac Mason kicked a penalty in like the 14th minute, which I right, right. Um, and then so we were up three nothing, which I, I appreciated, right? Because we were going for points, you know, right off the bat, right. and that kind of helped too because we were running down that clock on that yellow card. Um, yeah, the, totally. The, the big thing that happened, like right at that yellow card, and kind of happened on on and well, in five other occasions, was the lineout steals. Yeah. Like, Isaac Ross had six lineout steals. Yeah, that's insane. Alex, I know you're not a you're not a second rower or or part of the yeah. pack, but if if you're sitting there and you're getting ready to defend on your on your goal line as a fly half, and your guys steal the ball, so, you know, it wasn't every time on the uh, on the five meter line, but every time they had an attacking lineout, we're stealing the ball from them. What does that do to a team? And then well, it psychologically breaks you down as a attacking team. I and remember in college, the first three years I played in college, we had a phenomenal hooker that just hit all of his lineout throws. So it was just such a like yeah. point of confidence. Just like every time, you know, you could kick the touch and, and then go win the line out and run your set piece move. And I never really appreciated that until my senior year, we literally had no, like we couldn't even complete uh 40% of our lineouts. It was yeah. terrible. Could mm-hmm. not, didn't have a hooker. And then, um, you know, having been on that side of things, you actually, realize how mentally exhausting it is like knowing that every single time there's a line out you might not get it back you're yeah. probably not going to get it back for sure so like just see like the way isaac ross just dominated the lineouts, it just it cracks the other teams like you can't even ever get into your rhythm or get a, any sort of platform <laughs> to play front foot rugby you're just constantly on your heels and that's like the that's the little things that you see those basically, basically South Africa and New Zealand yeah. dominate the lineouts like other countries don't. And you can see what an impact that has on their games. And it doesn't get the praise always, but it's good that people recognize that this week. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think, I mean, it was there, obviously, you know, Isaac Ross had a fantastic match. He was one of, you know, the, uh, the players of the week, the Gilgroniac players of the week will come out, <laughs> but people, people voted. Uh, it comes out uh, here. Well, here today as we're recording, it's going to come out this afternoon. So I've got it loaded and ready to go. So you'll see players of the week. It was close. Uh, there were it was a late push for uh, an outside center from, family members <laughs> i mean he had, he had a good match he, it was it was off by two votes from from everybody else that voted but uh it's kind of good but you know obviously you know 
Ross and uh, and Ned Hodson were, were were two of them. You know, that third one, of course, Zenzan, but we'll talk about yeah. that in a second here. So, you know, I think, you know, in the first half, we're, we're playing pretty well. The game is pretty close. Um, you know, Seattle, they didn't do a terrible job at, you know, at, at defending. Um, we, you know, they kicked, uh, they kicked a penalty. So it was what, uh, 10, 10 to... The 10, was it 10, 15? Was that the right score at that time? I'm trying to figure out what it was though. Uh, 10, 13, 10, 13, because Mac Mason kicked a, uh, a penalty. So Mac Mason had two penalties and a conversion. Um, and then we had, I'm pretty sure that was right. I see now I'm just forgetting my notes here. <laughs> I wish I had like a line by line, like when we scored and when the other team scored, right. so it's easier to go back and search maybe for the next time we'll prepare that for ourselves. Um, but I think one of the big moments of the match in the first half was uh, I think Robbie Kutzier was called for a double movement, but if you were watching the match, I don't think it was a double movement. What, what are your thoughts on that? And then we'll get into the, what happened you know, almost immediately after that. I'm not even entirely sure. I remember was it that? right down on the goal line? Yeah, he he dove. So they called the double movement. He dove. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Dove it was kind of, kind of, and, and then yeah. he and then he reached out with his arm to place it. You know, which isn't a double double movement because he didn't move his low. Uh, he didn't move his legs and push off his legs to lunge forward. He was on the ground and just reached his arm out to put the ball down, which consists because it consists. So what of I remember same, same motion. I think. Yeah. What I remember from that play was it, it was kind of on the side of the beer gardens on yeah. and yeah. sort of just right of the posts, yeah. a little bit right of the posts. Yeah, exactly. Um, kind of what I remember thinking to myself was at first, I was like, no way that was a double move. And then I think when I had, they showed the replay, it was based off what the ref said. It seemed like maybe Kutsia got tackled and then did his one crawl forward. And then reached out. Yeah. But I do wonder, it's like, if you do your one crawl forward and that's your move, like you still have to place the ball and there's no law that says which direction you need to place Place it in. Yeah. But, you know, I also might not be remembering it 100%. No, that's pretty much what I thought. I was just, not a big deal, but it was it was one of those moments where you go, oh, come on, man, like that, that needed to happen. Yeah. But um, almost, you know, but obviously we still got the penalty out of it, so it allowed Mac Mason to kick um, for post there. And I thought that, you know, that was, at, at that time it was a big moment. But the other big moment came when we, when we got the ball back and mm-hmm. Frank Lai, who had already had one big run already for the day, um you know, had another big run and then pulled up lame, uh, hamstring, yeah. like his hamstring, uh, not quite sure. I mean, what did, I mean, Frank in, he had 76 meters carried and two line breaks, um, and two line breaks and a tackle break in 32 minutes. Like he was having a pretty good game so far. Uh, yeah, it was in the wing. I hope it wasn't the same injury that's kept him out. out yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Judging, by his reaction, it seemed like a "oh no, here we go again" yeah type of niggle. So I yeah, God, maybe, I mean, maybe, he makes not, maybe not fully recovered, you know, type of thing. Yeah, I don't know. Well, anyway, um, the person that replaced him that came off, he did all right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so for, if you didn't watch it, what did he have like uh, what, like it, 178 it, meters and two tries on his first two touches? Yeah. So for for those who for those who don't, who didn't know who we're talking about, we're talking about Zenny man, Zinzan Ellen Puttick, first game back since week one. 
where he had 10 tackle breaks in the first week, by the way, if you didn't know that statistic, that was an amazing stat that Zinni had, uh, did break a finger <laughs> or broke something in his finger or something. Um, 48 minutes played, 10 points scored, two tries, five, but this is the this is the crazy stat. He had 169 meters on five carries. Yeah, <laughs> That's, nice. that average for you, folks, is 34 meters a carry. That is a hell of a lot of running that Zinni did. Uh, oh, he also had two offloads, and so that was uh, out there out there on the wing doing well. Uh, good to see him back. You know, obviously Zinni came back in the you know the second half right after he scored. You know, uh, in the in the first well, he came on in the first half. Uh, excuse me, he came on the first half. Ned Hodson had one of his breakaways again, offloaded it to, to Zinni. By the way, from Seattle tackling perspective, that's that was appalling. Yeah. Uh, basically, he got single arm tackled by one person, and Ned was like, I you need to have more more than one person tackle yeah. me by the ankle. Ned took off, broke away. All he did was offload to Zenny, who was in perfect support line. Um did you see did you see um I don't know if you noticed this live, but on the film, it's just is anyone that's played with Zinzan knows he's a very uh, intelligent player, but yeah. you can see uh, when Hodson made that break, Zinni got in support and he starts pointing diagonally, yeah. starts pointing where for Hodson to run, knowing like where the actual space was for Zinzan to, you know, because if he could, if he had just yeah. kept running straight and squared him up and made the pass, Zinni would have gotten tackled by the covering defense. Yeah. But Zinni specifically pointed to Ned, like, here, take this angle. I'll come off your hip. And it was yeah. just, and Ned did exactly that. And the, the trust there was good. And, yeah. and then that, that allowed Zinni to break into the clear. It was pretty yeah, awesome. It, it was. I, I definitely saw that. And, you know, we, one of the unsung heroes that we continue to talk about every now and then is uh, Michael DeWall. He was actually on the left side of Ned Hodgson in support. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was right. actually at the ruck breakdown from the previous, you know, from the previous ruck. So I mean, he was up and moving on that one. So he, Ned could have gone left, but there was also cover, you know, to Ned's left, uh, for, de- for the defense. But yeah, Zenny, I mean, it was a perfect run. So, you know, going into halftime, you know, it was, oh, God, man, it was, it was fantastic at 18, 10 going into halftime. People were pretty excited. The game was close as, you know, again, we're giving up more points in the first half than we usually do. Um, but then two minutes into the second half, I mean, for two or three minutes into the second half, Zinni gets the ball and makes on a short kick. Like Seattle tried to kick it short to him. Zinni picks it up and just takes off their, their, the line did not come up flat. They were all staggered when they came up, which was kind of like, we'll just poor defense on Seattle's part again. Um, but again, Zinni breaks a tackle, then outruns a guy, um, gives a little stiff arm and makes, you know, makes Matt Turner back there at 15 look, uh, <laughs> look like child's yeah. play for a minute there. Um, you know, and then obviously I, I think, you know, uh, we just started pouring it on after that. Isaac Ross scored again uh, on a great pickup. By the way, fun fun thing you should see on that one. So the, uh, it was questioned. It went. The ref got knocked down when Isaac Ross right. scored. Went to the sideline. Isaac Ross scored under the posts. Right. Right. And they still had to and, kick and they it. said they still kicked it. Which I th- and people yeah. were like, "Did that really happen?" Like I'm like, I don't think so. I, I thought it was to the right of the post because I was at the game. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. I'm like, like no, it was under the post. So, um, yeah. you know, obviously you know, it was uh, by that time it was wasn't a big deal. Um, and Seattle came back. Uh, Riker had it uh, scored. Yeah, you know, on a pretty good angled run. Like he, I mean, he he did pretty well on, on that run to score. I just think that Austin defense was kind of slacking. 
And then, you know, right at the end, what is it, 70, I forget, when did, he, uh, like 75, 75 to 80 minutes, we scored two more tries. Christian Osberg got yeah. a ball five meters out and dove over the line for his first try in Texas and since he played in high school. So that was kind of cool. Right. And then, you know, the, you know, my man of the match, I know he wasn't the man of the match. I, I give credit to Zinni, and he had a great game. But the man of the match for me was Ned Hodson. And mm-hmm. Ned, Ned with the with the acrobatic Superman dive for a try in the corner. I mean, yeah, I'm waiting on, to see, man. I'm waiting to see the shot Norma got on that. Cause I don't know if you could tell, but Norma was in like prime camera position, oh, really? like literally oh, to check that right out. there. Um, and I mean, she already gets great shots all the oh, time, but I want to see incredible. I mean, she was right there. Yeah. So I'm excited to see if, that, so if she was, was able to, I think so was the, um, so was the film crew that Austin had because uh-huh. they're filming. I could see them because they actually did part one of the highlights where you could see the end of it with him scoring. I'd love to Ooh. get that film uh, and, and put a little Superman cape flying behind yeah. <laughs> Ned as he took off, but it was awesome. Um, you know, fi- final score of the match. So Alex, we picked final scores. Do you remember what our scores were from last week? I know I said 27 to seven. 20. Uh, yeah. It was 27, seven and shit. Oh, I forgot. I wrote it down. I, I posted it on uh, on social media. Thirty one ten is what I said. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I guess I was closer on that one. But we did. Like I said we expected yeah. to win big, but not that big. Um, biggest win in AG history. Most points scored in AG history. Um, we are now four and two, and sitting second place, comfortably in second place. Um, yeah. In in. in 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 the west uh but it was yeah man great match god it was overall you know stat wise any stats you know really pop out for you in this match that you thought were kind of important for us um i mean i think uh besides the fact that we we forced seattle to a 30 34 gain line (laughs) over i think also uh us hitting gain line 82 percent of the time is Pretty yeah, that's pretty yeah, yeah yeah that's that's pretty damn and then um 897 yeah, I mean, meters meters gained for us we had eight line breaks mm-hmm. one thing that still continues to we had 11 turnovers and 11 penalties conceded so uh that was you know yeah i mean, the, uh, I mean oh well, our tackle then, percentage wasn't great this, this match for the first time in a while like we had you know the orange wall as, as we've been calling it <laughs> the orange wall continues you know shutting teams out to 15 yeah. points but uh tackle percentage was that 84 percent this game wasn't that great so um well and then i think we already alluded to it and it was probably a little bit more of a individual stat but it was <laughs> not steals well, yeah i mean any i would be surprised if there's ever been a team that at a professional level that's won a game when the line out steals were seven to zero in the other team's favor like that's just that makes playing rugby so difficult yeah it's i mean you you can't play like that like we won 90 percent of 89 percent of our line outs um and, and i think that's the thing here Here's the crazy thing. So when lineout takes like overall um, MLR stats, like the leader, um, I think is still Sebastian DeChavez and the lineout and total lineout takes for the first couple mm-hmm. of games. Like he's been out the past two games injured. Um, lineout steals. I think now Isaac Ross isn't in 
first place, but he's like second place or tied for second or third, but he's only played two games. Yeah, Uh, yeah, right. Um, The other things that, you know, we don't really haven't been talked about are the continued phenomenal play of Dominic Bailey, who actually had a great game on a great game on offense, you know, not his normal, like defensive, like I'm just going to go smash people. Um, You know, McLean Jones again, continues to just be, a powerhouse in the rucks um and michael dewall man um just constantly putting in 80 minutes Uh, again a lot lot of guys had 80 minutes cam dodson you know filling and doing well he had some pretty big runs too like not like big meters carry but he just like plowed into people which i thought was pretty great um you know connor mooneyham didn't have the the best matches quietest quietest you've seen him yeah. yeah, which is fine because it's hard to have yeah. a it's hard to have a loud match when you know the guy on the other side of right. the field is scoring all your tries. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I thought it was good. You know, it was for me. The other good thing is guys got to sub out. Like we're not, you know, normally this is the first. I think it's the first match that Mac Mason hasn't played the entire game. So he was, you know, full eighty <laughs> minutes each one of the games so far the season. This is the first one that he hasn't been and you know played a full match Connor Mooneyham still has the most minutes played out of anybody in major league rugby right now uh, which he continues to play but I thought that you know obviously uh, Pele came on you know first ha- for the first part the first 40 minutes Marcelo did had a great first half uh, yeah he I did really well really well I was about to mention that I thought that Marcelo played at a really fast pace without being frantic yeah which is I think something that's, you know, tough as a young scrum half, I think he's only 23 or 24 still, um, to be able to play at a fast um, pace. We, when he was in, there was a very high tempo, but it was in control, which is, I mean, control. different than what he's done in the past, right? Because usually when he's in there and trying to go fast tempo, he's just like flying everywhere and just throwing the ball around. Right. He, he's right. grown a lot as a player, I think. It's been good. Yeah, it's awesome to see. I think I think just playing with Pele a lot. I Helps. think because Pele is always in control. I think that that's the biggest growth I've seen from Marcelo. It's just like, and and I know like, um, you know, Seattle might not be as tough of a defense to crack as say Toronto or something. Yeah, but um, I thought that's that's the best I've seen Marcelo, and I thought he really like gave us that tempo and, and momentum in the first half so that in the second half Pele could come in and and really take charge and and just blow that game wide, wide open yeah for sure i mean you know we talked about it before we jumped on on the podcast today so you know our our ruck speed in years past and in the first couple of games of the season was you know we were you know our zero to three second rucks were not you know we're like 34 Forty percent, something like that. Our 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 ruck speed is now, I think, the second fastest in Major League Rugby. Um, this past weekend, there was fifty fifty eight percent zero to three seconds. That's in and out, boom, 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 boom. Like you're playing fast, you're yeah. linking up with your guys. Your guys are ready. The from a defensive standpoint, we're forcing our opponents into that three to six second ruck. Like fifty two percent of the of Seattle's rucks were longer because we're trying to we're jacking yeah. for position we're we're fighting for the ball we're making sure that you know I mean, our defense is getting set and stopping people really i mean i'm looking at the stats again our quick ball percentage is 58 and their quick ball percentage was 33 like yeah. that's again yeah like basically not, for not seattle it was, 
not a lot of ball, no set piece. And slow and ball. You did have it. It was slow. Yeah, right. Uh, Michael <laughs> DeWall, uh, by the way, 38 ruck arrivals. Yeah. Um, in the in his basically when he's one of the first three, he is 26 amount of the time of, of our our rucks. He's one of the first three people to arrive. 23 out of his <laughs> out of 26 yeah. ruck. Like they, he's in man. Like he's yeah. He's he's an eight cleanouts. Eight cleanouts. By the way, throw that one out there. Yeah. Uh, Ned also had eight cleanouts, but we don't really talk. These are stats we don't really talk about, but that's those are fun. Like mm-hmm. I, I wish Major League Rugby would promote this a little bit more, so we see more in-depth stats. The uh, statistics, like the Mara Itoje stats. Yeah, right. Like yeah, the ones that yeah. nobody really cares about, but like yeah. people who Make love huge, stats like us. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, bye week. We get it off. We have more time to look at stats, and you know. We have yeah. a guest. We have a guest coming up who's going to tell us all about some of those Austin stats. So uh, stick around. Coming up on the podcast, um, somebody who knows more about Austin stats than anybody else. So stay tuned. <laughs> Austin rugby fans. Always a pleasure to have you listening and watching this great podcast with a plugged-in microphone. Uh, if you listen to if you listen to the podcast episode special episode the other day from the NARL talking about the Austin armadillos, uh, we had it unplugged, and I was just chatting with my guest uh, who's going to come on here in a minute and making sure that my podcast mic is plugged in at all times. Um, I can see the light flashing; it's working on here. He has confirmed it, so it's good. Uh, <laughs> but we really appreciate you guys continuing just to hang out and and listen and watch everything that happens with the podcast. There's so many exciting things. We try to bring everybody on the team that we can on to talk, right? So we have, you know, McLean, jo- McLean Jones, excuse me, sorry, McLean, I about called you McLean again. Uh, McLean Jones, like John McLean. Uh, we've had Michael DeWall. We've had uh, Coach Thomas. We've had beginning first ones ever this season were Coach Harris and Coach Jard. And I wanted to bring more people on that you don't often get to, you, you may not ever see unless you follow on social media, come at people behind the scenes for the AGs. And I think it's really important. And one of those people, uh, we won't say that our, the connection between the AGs, myself and Texas Rugby Monthly made this happen, but I will say we made this happen uh, by connecting this person to Coach Harris and then uh, Coach Gerard. And of course, we want to bring on none other than Mr. Gordon Hanlon. Gordon, Gordo, what's going on, man? Appreciate you coming on. Uh, we will lay the claim to fame that Coach Harris listened and watched or watched, I don't know, the podcast that you did with Grant Cole and uh, and Rick and I. And basically, he liked what you said and decided to bring you onto the team. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's quite surreal, actually. Uh, I remember that. I did that in a uh, front seat in my car you, next yeah, to you, a rugby pitch before playing touch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you're going out to do some uh, coaching or do some training with, with one of the, mm-hmm. was it dark, right? Are you up there? Was it yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was so summer touch thing. And like, that's the, um, like I said, it's quite surreal. I've, you know, I moved to Texas and I've been here on and off for almost 10 years now. And I feel proud to be part of Texas rugby. And it was only uh, last weekend I was doing a presentation for the local coaches in the Austin area. Yeah. And uh, ST, the performance coach, was up first and it was at the uh, Blacks facility. And I got up to talk and then I realized the last time I was here, I was playing for the Quins. I got punched in the face. Uh, <laughs> and now I'm, now I'm following 
probably the best athletic and performance coach in the world to give a presentation. It's <laughs> like, it was just, it was surreal for me. Yeah, you know? exactly. That's, that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And for those that, uh, I mean, obviously for those that haven't, there didn't listen to that original, uh, I guess that would have been episode two of the Texas rugby monthly podcast. Uh, don't ask me which month it was. Cause it was forever ago. Cause three days feels like forever ago anymore. Um, but you know, we, we chatted and you can go back and listen to it on wherever you're listening now, but you know, Gordon, you, your role is is pretty unique within uh, within Austin within Major League Rugby. You are uh, basically the AG's analyst, and as we talked about right before we came on, there's a spectrum of you know what an analyst does with the team. So for those who who maybe don't understand kind of what a, an analyst role is, because you know who knows this could be a way that other people who maybe aren't coaches or players get into rugby and working with rugby teams what what is it that your role entails uh maybe in a nutshell to start off with and then we can kind of dive down further um you know for those listening that want kind of want to know more about what you do yeah so the basic core construct construct is that i show what actually happened instead of what you think happened through uh yeah through (laughs) through data kind of like taking the blue pill in the matrix right like you're you're Mm -hmm. the you're you're given the pill yeah Yeah. and um but it's you know through the use of data statistics but then also video work and so we'll be too we'll be here too long if i talk about my work week but it's basically (laughs) the full uh game day breakdown from like a team uh, coding and clipping from like line out scrums, tries, et cetera, to an individual where we track every action yeah. that the individual did during the game from carries to tackles to how quickly they get up off the ground after a breakdown. Um, and then we get into like comparative team stats. How does our line out efficiency inside the 22 compare to other teams in the league? And, uh, you know, what kind of like, what's our season best standards and are we operating at that? So we always try and aim for that. Yeah. Um, and that's game day stuff. And then training is kind of, um, basically I'm a videographer for there. <laughs> so we'll have up to, I think the most I had at one point was, I think I was working with six cameras, one training session. Oh. Uh, running just, at the same just, time. Just, then, just you running simultaneous, like, are you linked up into yeah. one computer or is it, is it just like no, no, no. old VHS so tape? Was, like you got to rewind no, it. <laughs> no, so it was a, just a combination of it. So things like uh, the GoPro where you just have to hit play and let it, you can forget about it yeah. to the drone, to some cameras on tripods, uh, to like a iPad with a live loop, like a live video delay set up to the television and stuff. Yeah. So when we're doing scrums and lineouts, the, uh, the athletes can do the rep and look at their scrum and then they look at the TV screen and they've seen what's happened, you know, 30 seconds previously. Yeah. Um, which I think we've seen some of that on, I, I know, uh, maybe coach Thomas, some of the other guys, um, the physicians and stuff have posted it on there. Uh, at least of guys doing it. I think maybe even you have too. Uh, it's a pretty unique thing. You know, obviously this is kind of that mm-hmm. differentiation between, you know, club rugby and professional rugby now, right? Like that's uh, yeah. the, the big change is the technology standpoint, you know, the, the, player, yeah, the, sure. player, the player tracking and everything that, that occurs is, mm-hmm. is that next level for, you know, for rugby in the United States right now. Yeah. So I was, I was quite fortunate to live and work in Germany and the, the German soccer clubs there, now their budget is exponentially higher, obviously, but they're the stuff that they're doing around analysis is, uh, and like in practice analysis and what you can do is just, it's mind blowing. Yeah. Um, 
So to be able to see that and to kind of take ideas back and say, okay, I like that. Now, what, how can I do that while, whilst being a peasant, you yeah. know, um, <laughs> on yeah, peasant's budget. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I've been, been very lucky to have this experience of being around the world, you know, working at the crusaders and stuff. You see, I saw some things there. So all these things I've picked up, um, from, my travels and my experiences and taken back to Texas. Yeah. And that was kind of something we brought up with, with, with Simon on the pod when he had him on the podcast is I asked, I said, did you, did your time overlap? You know, cause you both were at the Crusaders mm-hmm. for a little while. And, uh, I, I don't know if it actually, we actually got an answer out. I don't, I think you guys were like a year or so off or was it, cl- do you, do you remember working uh, with him while you were there? Or were you guys actually uh, kind of separated by well, you? No, so he, yeah, no, I was in the building, but he was in a, He's on a different, different level. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's cool. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, sports analysts and looking at data analysis is something that's kind of, like you said, it's, it's a new thing. It's trying to, you know, how do you do what you do with champagne dreams with beer budget, basically, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, with this, do you see the MLR is one of those, how have you do you think the change has happened over i mean you've kind of been on the periphery until this year but do you think there's been a change in the data analysis of you know the matches the players everything from year one to to now and what's been that like what kind of percentage growth do you think has gone towards data analysis um yeah for sure i mean just look at teams that have full-time analysts now and like year one you were looking at a lot of clubs who had player analysts or they were getting um injured players even even the austin based ones injured players were were doing the videoing yeah um and it's just as a brand and as a, a yeah, as a league, we're growing, and as a result, the budgets are getting bigger, and there's more, uh, more intellectual property coming in, and we're able to do a lot more diverse and new things, which weren't weren't or haven't been seen before. Yeah. And I think, um, I think we're at the stage right now where most of the teams have roughly the same standard of players. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously there's some that have better ones um but the the, co- the coaching and the support staff is going to be what will differentiate the mlr clubs in the next two three seasons yeah. um we're only seeing that now from teams that were successful in the early years they haven't quite progressed as much as they could have yeah and as a result they've been overtaken by other teams yeah. and the like teams us. that invest yeah, for sure. <laughs> for you know, sure. I mean, like, say, I'll say it. I don't care. Like people, this is the yeah. Austin Rugby podcast. People will support that. <laughs> yeah. So, like for instance, like in the last in this six games of this season, we've actually doubled our entire uh, amount of wins for for the club yeah. for the whole four years. Yeah. Maybe we had um, three three wins the first. Uh, it was it. Yeah, three wins the first year. One win mm-hmm. last year. No wins the second year. So yeah, like, we're literally yeah. Um, yeah. And it says a lot too, right? It's, it's, and we've made the changes. Like we've brought on Sam and Mark and yourself and Simon and, you know, you get the, the Mason, who's also a part of the, the team working mm-hmm. with the youth and stuff and all these different key components, they add up, right? It's not just the, mm-hmm. you know, you can have all these great players and, you know, that's great. But if you don't have the support staff there to help build those players and work with them, um, I, I, I absolutely agree. And think that that's something that, you know, it's more than you know, a team is more than just the people, the 15 on the pitch, right? Um, it's yeah. everybody else around them. So uh, totally like I've, I'm, I'm happy to say that we're, we're probably, you know, uh, again, with what LA's done, what we've done, obviously I think the biggest difference has been what we've done in bringing people like yourself onto the team 
um, into into the organization is what I should say. Um, so I think that that's that's been pretty key for us. When you look at some of those those kind of I don't know if you went back and I like looked at earlier season stats. Did you ever like look at those in comparison to this year? Uh, I don't know if that's something that we should do because <laughs> some of those stats are probably pretty terrible. Um, but. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I did. I did some um, consultant work in year two. I did some uh, scouting for a team, and yes, I could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's. I mean, this again, we, yeah. we we as we as we as fans go back and look, and we can just go. Yeah, I could tell you. You know, probably the this, the thing that continues to plague Austin from year one to year three was uh, not finishing uh, red zone efficiency um, penalties. Uh, which are still th- things that kind of creep up with us right now sometimes, which uh, I don't know if, you know, if we can, we can talk about it, but you know, how do you feel about like some, the number of penalties we have per, per match per 20 minutes per 10 minutes? Like it, obviously it seems like there's, we're, we're still getting pinged a lot in that area, uh, but also just kind of that efficiency number two. It, yes. So the penalty count is quite high or was quite high at the start, but it, comparatively speaking it was high across the board yeah so it's not like we were giving away 28 penalties and only winning four you know we weren't uh ill-disciplined compared to the rest of the league there was just where where referees are figuring out how to referee the scrum how to referee the malls and the breakdowns um and you know we have a wide group of referees from who have varied backgrounds and come from many different places so but like league-wide i think there was four of the referees were averaging 30 penalties a game that's a lot uh, to be awarded that's a lot so whilst we did give away a lot of penalties we also won a lot yeah um and it was quite high throughout the league so there's i don't think there was a major you know it wasn't a major uh, issue of concern mm-hmm. um obviously the you know the fewer we we have the better and we're <laughs> yeah. i think we've it's but it's going to take a time it's going to take a while um yeah. for to be for both the uh, the player understanding and then the referee understanding uh, of the laws um, to balance out and to become consistent. Yeah. How do you um, think that changes? Like, how, how, what what's the catalyst for change with that? Like, is it mo- is it the referee? Is it the youthfulness or maybe the inexperience of the referees at this professional level? I mean, you have people like JP Doyle who just came over and did yeah. the first two matches, and uh, yeah. I, I honestly, I, I give all credit to him because I felt like his line of communication in his first match, people kind of complained about it. Like, oh, he was just trying to steal the show. It's like, he's trying to tell these guys, like, you're wrong. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't do this. You, I will penalize you if you continue to do this. And then, well, he did. He penalized people. And do you think it's that level of referee? I mean, he's a high level referee, was over in the premiership for a while. And then, you know, now he's over here. Is it is it the is it the differentiation of these younger um, you know North American referees who maybe don't have that much experience? Like you know Scott Scott I well, think is a great example. He's a great referee, but you know obviously there's you can only have one Scott Green, one JP Doyle, and there's you know what seven eight six seven matches a weekend. So um, yeah. you know, how do we how do we deal with the parity on that or the lack of parity? So it's so it's not just the referees. It's the um, it's the league itself and you know with the players that we have i mean i think it's quite obvious that there is varying levels of uh standard of play from the players you know we have guys that have come from super rugby and we've guys that have come from university and club rugby so that kind of there's discrepancies there 
Uh, and it's just a add just a lot more variables in. You know what's what is constitute what constitutes legal uh, clean out and Super Rugby is probably not what constitutes in the, in the <laughs> collegiate game. Yeah, you know, and it's just kind of like these these differences. Uh, it it just impacts the game. Yeah, and I think as time goes on, it, it, it'll be more consistent. And it's the game. I mean, like sure, just look look at the first six games. The game it's it's already a, almost a completely different. Um, game than we're, that we're playing than last season yeah for oh, sure, yeah, for sure. Now, and, yeah and each year that goes by where it's going to get more and more fluid and more consistent i think yeah so let's 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 talk about our let's talk about the ag first couple of games right first two games god man five points i mean i, I it's, it's crazy to think that we were five points away six points away you know give or take from from winning from being undefeated right there and right up there with la Right. Um, so from my standpoint, as I'm looking at it, going, what are some of the things that you have seen from an analyst standpoint that have changed from maybe game one to game six? Because I felt like this last game against Seattle, for me, are, you know, one of the things that I remember you talking about on, on the podcast we did on Texas Rugby Monthly was knowing your attacking shape, getting into those right phases. I, Alex Reese and I talked about it, that the the first couple games, like getting ball out to the wing, it was just, it was, it was not great. Like, you know, two to three passes. If that, like we were never getting the ball out to Connor, never getting the ball out to like Zinzan, like we were this past week. What from an analyst standpoint, have you seen that maybe some naked eye for us that we're not seeing has been a change for, for you all that has helped us get to better open play. Um, I think, for instance, our speed of rook is getting quicker each game. Um, we have, I think, the fourth fastest uh, speed of rook in the competition. Yeah. So from when carried into contact till the ball is passed. And that's, I mean, that's down to, you know, we, we basically put a whole new team together. Yeah. Um, had a short preseason and then the snow apocalypse or whatever you call it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. You know, they were trying to deal with that and then, you know, the, the, the COVID policies and dealing with that. It's hard. Like there, there's continuity wasn't quite there because we're all new. You know, there's new players, new coaching staff. Um, there are some older players, but now it's a new environment for them. And what was once good enough is no longer good enough. Yeah. So it's, they've had to raise their standards to that. Um, so I think we're just going to keep getting better every single, um, every, every single game. You know, also we've created more more turnover opportunities and turnovers are really created out of scouting. Um, you know, do you understand what the opposition are going to do on their lineouts? And we didn't have much, um, content to go on from the previous season, you know, it's, um, but now we, we, you know, each, every team's played at least five games so we can start to build a picture of their favorite lineout moves, where they like to do them, what the calling structure is, you know, and then we can really start contesting and putting pressure on the lineout like, like we did against Seattle. I, I was literally just, just about to say, and six lineout steals for Isaac Ross. Like that's an that's yeah. insane number. I, I don't care who you are, what league you play in. Six yeah. lineout steals is bonkers. Do you attribute kind yeah. of that, that number to you know, at least the knowledge and kind of studying Seattle's lineout, you know, from the previous, like what they like to do, you know, who their favorite jumpers are, where, where, in, where in the, the lineout they like to jump from, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So like uh, Isaac is a, uh, he's got a great mind for lineouts and he's able to see things that others don't. And also helps that he's six, eight. Does help. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, right. but I mean, I, I, 
At one point, he stole a line-out where he didn't even get off the ground. Uh, yeah. I, it was I, like, I, a, like a 1980s line-out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just, that is very true. Yeah. yeah. But no, so yeah, we're doing work on that. And, you know, we're doing work on what are their, their starter plays? What are their tendencies after, you know, first or second breakdown? Do they like to keep going wide or did they come back? Uh, where did they kick from? So we're able to put our counterattacking counterattacking players in better positions now because now we understand where on the field the opposition is going to kick from and what type of kick it's going to be. Yeah. So we can become a lot more proactive instead of reactive, and then that gives us these opportunities like Zinzan's try um, on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. So we knew that they had like a kind of like a narrow kick chase. Yeah. So all we had to do, we were trying to just get out wide, get into those edge zones. And we knew that if we put pressure on, they're going to kick it. And then we have a chance to, to, to run it back at them. And, you know, sure enough, that's what happens. Zinzin breaks a tackle and you know, he's basically gone because no one's going yeah. no to catch him. So, um, yeah. I mean, that's, it's interesting to kind of think about it that way. I think I know a lot of people probably just don't like, you know, as fans, we're just watching what happens on the field. Um, you know, some of us, uh, the, the like more critical ones, I'd say like Alex and I and, and Bradley Handel, who, you know, would jump on the podcast and talk about the statistics that, that we get and that we kind of share with, with everybody else that we know. And we, we kind of look at it and say, Oh my gosh, well, we've got this, this, and this, you know, for, uh, you know, that we know, like maybe this was a key impact of the game, you know, red zone, the inside the 22 efficiency for us, in my opinion, has not been great. I don't know if it's the same, you know, for, you know, you, you can kind of smirk or whatever. I don't know. I mean, it, but the team knows, like you guys have probably talked about it at practice. Mm-hmm. Like we have a tendency to knock the ball on. We have a tendency to, to have penalties inside the attacking 22. I mean, as a, as an analyst and as a coach, how do you guys go back into training and, and to try to address those situations? Like, what's the what's the conversation that happens around those? Because it's stuff that we see and we know it, and you know, we think about the number of tries that we probably could have in each one of our matches if we were just tightened up on our efficiency inside that that attacking zone. Um. So the closer you are to the try line, the less time you have, and the more pressure there is. Yeah. And it's not just rugby, but in all sports, you have to learn how to win. Yeah. Um, and that is the critical component of it. There's like, like just, just take the 90s for sports teams. The Buffalo Bills made four Super Bowls. They didn't know how to win. Yeah. You know, the, the Pistons had to learn how to win. Michael Jordan had to learn how to win. And, you know, this, as I said, it's a new Austin team, but we've had players that have come from all over and we've had players who are here before. And as a team, we have to learn how to win together. Um, and that is, so everything is a teaching or teachable moment. Um, we look at the decision-making around, oh, do we take points here or do we go for the line out or was it the right line out call? Yeah. You know, the, the class, the classic one is the, uh, the 2015 world cup with yeah. Uh, England. Yeah. What was the right decision there? I mean, was it the right decision? Just poor execution. So it's all about learning how to win and you don't get many options or opportunities inside the 22. You're probably, I think we average about eight trips, maybe seven or eight a game. Yeah. So, you know, the difference between scoring points three out of eight times and five out of eight times is probably a win. Yeah. And that's, that's how narrow of a margin it is. And, but you don't, get many of the same opportunities. So we have to really like look at ourselves and look at the decisions made and then differentiate between was this a decision, decision decision-making issue or was it a skill like a technical or a tactical issue? 
mm-hmm. um, and split it up that way. And we just have to keep learning. You know, you just have to learn how to win. And that's kind of a difference between like uh, the Atlantic game. Um, we were up and then we were down, but there was no panic because the, the, you know, the team has belief and we knew what we had to do to win. And we yeah. kept the ball, we maintained phases, we, we got, got the pressure. And, yeah. yeah. And I think that if we go back and in my mind, and I'd like that you said a team, I was talking with a, a former player for Austin who I remain in contact with. And, you know, we basically said the beginning of the season, you know, we had the Utah game really close, lost it at the end. Um, had the, you know, the San Diego game really close, lost it at the end. Had, we, we were there. But when we were, you know, when you think about it, part of my mind goes back to the team. Like you, like you said earlier, the team hadn't played that much together yet. Like they hadn't found that cohesive link. They hadn't found, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, that, that little that niche for each other, like the, the connection and the, maybe in, in the minds, like it's still kind of like, well, Austin just always finds a way to lose. Like in season two, like we, we lost a lot of super close games because, and we just found a way to lose, like shoot ourselves in the foot. It was the kind of the terminology that I kept using. But now it seems from the, you know, from the Houston game, like we're just finding ways to win now. And it's, and it's those key moments where you just, like you said, we just patient, we, you know, Ned had a, or I forget who, I think it was Ned that stole the ball, you know, uh, turned the ball over right off the kickoff to get, to get the ball back for us. And then maybe it was Ned. I don't, we were kind of debating about Alex and I were debating. I think it was Ned that got it, but stole the ball, got it back for us. But then we continue to go through the phases, got the penalty kick for the win. Um, so we're finding ways to win. And, you know, I, I kind of hope we are just that team that finds a way to win every single time. Right. Like Sometimes it's, mm-hmm. sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, but, but sometimes you like those yeah. big, those big games, like, like last, like this past week. So uh, I do yeah. like, I do like those wins all the time, but um, you know, as we kind of talk about some, you know, the statistics and stuff, uh, what are some things, uh, I guess we talked about like things that you may uh, surprised about from our defense, maybe um, like, so in my mind, our defense is, uh, I can't tell you like looking the statistics that come out, we don't actually see it from major league rugby. Like they don't openly put out a, all the statistics that exist, you know, for, uh, for each match. I wish they would. Uh, so everybody can kind of see because Americans are statistical junkies um, when it comes to like sports betting and things like that, which exist in MLR. Um, our defense has been, it's in, honestly, it's insane. We've given up what 70, 73 points in six games, and the next closest person team has given up like ninety three in five, in five games. I think it's LA. Is, like, oh, is that is a hundred? Hundred and forty two points. So, so the the next closest has given up one hundred and forty two points, and we've given up. No, we've given up. We've given up one hundred and forty two in six oh. games. Oh, it was one hundred forty two. Okay, why did I think there? Yeah, because we, we conceded thirty against. Uh, oh, that's uh, right. I don't know. See, my math was wrong. Way to go, Dustin. Come on. Yeah. Anyway, but oh wait, no. So that's 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 points scored. I'm sorry. I yeah, I was like, wait a minute here. Yeah, like, we, I was like, yeah, we, uh, we haven't given up 100 points yet. No, we've given up 89 points. 89 points. And oh. then yeah, the second fewest is LA at like 119, 120. Yeah, and they played one less mm-hmm. game than we have. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's like, sure. what? You know, <laughs> sorry. Now we're getting like numbers game here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. You know, what do you think that is there anything statistically from a, a in performance that you guys look at? I mean, besides just uh, Michael DeWall and Dominic Bailey and and McLean Jones just being absolute God 
ball busters out there on the pitch because their tackle rate is just insane every single match. And ruck arrivals for Michael DeBall, I forget like thirty ruck arrivals last, last like last game. Like the guy is in everything. Yeah. There was the um, uh, might have been the Houston game with Mikey. He had like I want to say twenty nine ruck arrivals on attack, twenty something on defense, <laughs> and twenty something tackles. Right. Yeah, I mean, are those, do you think those are that are people looking at those statistics when they should when they're picking like players of the week and things like that? <laughs> that's my opinion. Yeah, like that, that, that's yeah, it's uns, unsung heroes sometimes. I think because you know McLean and and Dami Bailey and and Michael Dewall like they've played out fantastic this entire season, and I think they've led the way for our defense. But a lot of times that they it's um. You know, if they don't score a try or something, then they kind of don't get looked at. Um, when you when you kind of analyze things, do do you guys look at a lot of like, okay, what does it mean to be you know, for that starting spot? Like, are you guys looking at you know people who have that high work? That's a high work rate, really. Like, going mm-hmm. you know almost you know eighty minutes every single match is those guys are are, are nonstop in there. Is that something that kind of defines you know that you guys look at when you're getting ready to select make squad selections? Um, that's a question for the coaches. Oh, you've got to have some input on that. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, our defense is by far the best in the competition. Absolutely. Um, Hands down. I'll argue with anybody yeah. over that. <laughs> so we concede like 10 tries. Um, Atlanta's like 12 or 13, but it starts, I mean, like the main source of tries in the, throughout the entire league is the mall, the five meter mall. Yeah. So you just have to look at the work that that uh, Jamie McIntosh has done there on our our defensive malls, and um, with just a stout defensive mall that it's very hard to score against us there. And then that kind of sets the tone where teams have to go off of, you know, off of plan. Yeah. Um, and then our our line break defense is pretty good. I think we've given up the second fewest line breaks in the competition. Our dominant tackles were probably, I think, we're second or third for the amount of dominant tackles throughout the league. We have the and we have tack- the, we we have the number one dominant tackler in the league when Dominic. Yeah, like Dom, yeah. <laughs> um, our tackle accuracy needs to be better for sure. That's yeah. not. Um, we had a rough game against Atlanta, which took our percentages way down on that. Yeah, Marco um, Marco Keefe kind of yeah kind of made us miss quite a yeah. few tackles, which was. Yeah, it looked like we couldn't. Yeah, it looked like we couldn't tackle a dinner, let alone him. Um, Interesting, but yeah. So tackle accuracy, our, our line break, our line integrity is quite good. Our line speed is quite good. We are driving people backwards. We're putting them under pressure, and we're slowing the ruck down. So we have. Um, so I, as I said, I think for our attacking rucks, we're at just about three seconds. But for defensive rucks, we're almost at like three and a half seconds, which is the uh, second best in the league. Utah has the best at like 3.6 and we're at 3.5 seconds yeah. uh, on average. Yeah. So the slower the, ru- the slower the ruck is, the the more time our defense has to get set. Then we can get the more line speed. Our spacings are, are, are brilliant and we're just we're really just kind of suffocating teams. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, I, you know, I, I, will, I said this before, I think that there's a bit of that attacking that defense, that rush defense that we talked about last week with, with McLean and saying, you know, maybe some of that rugby league experience that coach Harris has of like, you need that attacking line speed, like to push that gain line, like our, our gain line efficiency for, or I guess when we are pushing the gain line for 
the opponent's attack like we are pushing them in the into the back like we're pushing them in the backfield mm-hmm. basically and forcing them to you know have a negative number like they've lost the game line yeah. I, I, I don't know the the stats on that but i know that like we are super efficient in that which causes people to be on the back heel which causes us to set our line better and be ready for whatever may happen next yeah so like that's my rough analysis even in experience um, no it's 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 fairly accurate like if we look at the atlanta game um atlanta coming in had the second fastest ruck speed they're one of only two teams under three seconds and i think they only had 31 percent of their rucks were under three seconds wow majority of them are closer to like five and six seconds um and, you know, yeah, we just, we're, we're doing well. P- P- people try to say, oh, you know, just oh, somebody said along the lines like, oh, Austin makes people, you know, brings people down to their level. And I think that's a bunch of BS. Like people just need to realize that Austin's defense is stifling and people just need to deal with it. Like everybody talks about like, oh, all the points scored. And I was like, listen, we played Atlanta. We played, we played NOLA, who are some of the highest scoring teams in the league. And we shut them both down to 15 points done like yeah. like or 15 and third whatever i think it's 15 each like we tend to keep around the 15 number for how many points we let <laughs> a game and so in the past couple of games yeah. so that was kind of it's been an interesting number but i don't anyway that that's that's my opinion on that matter and i could i could go on for days about it but i mean we i really appreciate you like just sitting down talking numbers talking stats i'd love to like as we get closer to kind of the end of the season i'd love to see like what kind of things have changed and have you come back on and and chat more about like you know where do we see stats now as we get ready to push that playoff button um and we will push that playoff uh for sure for sure i I think statistically somebody on reddit did the statistics and were a 92 percent locked in to be one of the four playoff teams in the west i think oh well (laughs) it's like yeah they're already they're already claiming those numbers i was like man just long season ahead like we'll just take it game by game so yeah this is a uh it's a strange league and anything can happen it's consistency is not quite consistent in this competition. Exactly. Um, but yeah, we just have to keep working hard. Yeah. And um, I know like we've had, we're on a bye week now and then the guys coming back and we've got uh, three tough games coming up, but it's as a team, we're going to keep working hard. Yeah. And um, I know our coaches and everything, we're getting back together tomorrow and, and we're starting to really just gear up for New England, New York, and then LA. Yeah. Um, at the cocktail cup or whatever cocktail. it's called. Uh, yeah. I don't Does that make it. P- people keep calling it different names. I think Ca- I think Castro called it the cocktail cup. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, the the what is it? The Gill Bowl was another one I heard. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Um, they're they're coming here so to yeah, play. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a Wednesday night game. It's going to be a great one. That's 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 a that's a new one. That's that's an update uh, mm-hmm. for those that didn't know the. the Time has changed from a Saturday game to a Wednesday night game. So it'll be interesting to see how everybody plays on a short rest. Um, mm-hmm. Luckily enough that we back-to-back home games. Unfortunately, after that, we're traveling everywhere for what seems like two months. <laughs> but it's all yeah. part of the league. But hey, we, we went yeah. on the, we've won, we're one for one on, on our road wins. So I'm, I'll take that. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Gordon, appreciate you coming on man thanks for thanks for hanging out and chatting with us for you know about a half an hour here or so we will we'll have you back on and hopefully talk more more fun stats i really appreciate it it's a good good it's a different perspective than what you know than talking about you know players and where they're from and stuff and i think people just need to know that there's there's more don't get me wrong i, I like that but there's more to rugby than 
you know, than just the guys on the field. It's uh, there's there's whole teams in different parts of the organization that are involved in making a team successful. And you are definitely one of those people that have done that. And we're just happy that this podcast and Texas Rugby Monthly made that happen. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. it, man. Come back on anytime and, and chat with us if you don't mind. We'll do. Thanks uh, so much for having man. me. Have a good one, brother. Sweet. See you. All you Gilgroniacs out there, um, the millions of you who listen and watch the podcast around the world. Uh, by the way, Alex, uh, fun fact you should know, we are in every region of Australia except for the Northern Territory. Just fun to let you so people who listen to the podcast, we get like 20 to 30 people from, uh, from the Sydney area. Uh, there's some down in Queensland that listen to us on, on a weekly basis. So I, nice. congr- hello to everybody down under. Um, yeah, hope, hope you're doing well. Uh, um, you know, we, we really want to thank Gordon again for coming on. St- statistics are so fun. Like I, I geek out about things like that. I think Alex does too. You know, we yeah. talk about why the AGs are playing so well. All you have to do is look at how well our defense is played and enough of the, again, like I said, enough of people talking about like, Oh, well, people play down to the AGs level. It's like, we, we stifle you. Like we punish teams and mm-hmm. high scoring teams like Atlanta and Nola, you know, when we play them 15 points, right? That's all we allow. Uh, I think actually, I may be incorrect on this one, but we've allowed 15 points for like the last couple of matches, like the last three matches. Yeah, in a row. Like 15, 15, 15, 15. Just, yeah. just keep it at that. But and then 14 before yeah, that. 14 before that. Now the 30 before well, that. zero and then 14. Yeah, sorry, zero then four, zero then 13. So if you average it out, we average, we pretty much give up about 15 points a game, right? Yeah, <laughs> which is which is nuts. Um, but if you go back, you know, like we said with Gordon that, you know, Austin's defense is, you know, is one of the key things that's making us such a force to be reckoned with. You know, when you give up 89 points in, in a matter of six matches and the next closest team is 114 ish, you know, roundabout in six and ma- five matches, you know, it, it's, it, it, you, it's, you're going to be hard pressed to, to find a better defense right now th- than Austin. I think it's that rush defense that we talked about with McLean Jones last week. And, you know, maybe some of that rugby league that coach Harris used to play yeah. with, with Manly. Um, you know, that's, it's that style. It's that hard hitting in your face. Like let's pressure you. Let's get, be, let's put you, you behind the gain line um, and let's put you on the back foot and, and force your rucks to be slower so we can set our defense. That's my thought. Am I a professional? Yeah. No, but I, I watch a lot. <laughs> am, I, am I a professional rugby analyst? No, but I play one on TV. Um, <laughs> uh, Alex, make believe, make believe pros. Uh, <laughs> any big plans? Anything you're doing before you know for the uh, for the bye week this week? You know, any matches you'll watch? You think? Um. Yeah. Watch your, I'll, watch I'll your brother for game. Atlanta, probably. Um. Yeah, I will. Well, no, they're off as well. Oh, okay. Um, oh, but uh, Hunt's no, playing was, this week. Uh, a lot of like um, yes, but so we're um, we're sending like a um, like a mixed D one, D two, D three side up to Dallas to play the Quins, which nice. I was going to play in, but um, sadly I'm going to have to um, attend as of yesterday. Have to attend a uh, funeral, so oh, man, won't I'm be sorry. able to go. 
Mm. Um, Condolences. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. It'll be a celebration of life. But there you go, man. um, Yeah. So hopefully the guys up in Dallas can, you know, take care of business. I think the the Quins are um, been building actually pretty nicely in the past year and a half. So I think, I think it'll be actually a really tight, good game. Um, Got some buddies in the Quins too. So um, they won't get to see them. Yeah. Quins are playing well. Reds are playing well. Um, You know, the, there's a big match this week with uh, at the XO and, and rugby HTX, which will be, I think we're going to try to live stream that on Texas rugby monthly. That'll be, be fascinating. Uh, I know there's a big reds and Quins match coming up here soon. I think maybe next week as well, or maybe this. this Uh, No, we, we, we have the reds here next week. Oh, maybe it's two weeks, so we'll check it yeah. out. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, lots of rugby going on in Austin. Uh, I'm sure there's high school matches still kind of getting ready to wrap up here. Um, I'm sure. Like, I, I don't know. I don't have anything in front of me right now. But and, and as high, a school particular- cha- high school state championships are at uh, Nixon Lane, the Huntsfields, oh, really? on May 15th. Yep. There you go. Get out, watch some. Oh, man, you can go watch the high school rugby championships. Then you can go down and watch the AGs. Because uh, they play on the fifteenth against crap. Uh, who do we play before it's, we play LA? Because LA is a midweek game that week on a. Is it? Um, you. It's not Utah again, is it? No. No. I, I I forget who it is. Sorry, sorry everybody. I forget who I forget who we're playing that week. Uh, no, Rooney. We're playing Rooney that week. Okay. Ooh, that's a tough one. Yeah, Rooney and LA in the same week. So, um, on short rest. By the way, that that the cocktail cup is, is on short rest this week. Uh, that week. So we're a couple of weeks away from that. So we'll see. All kinds of good stuff going on. Uh, there, there's some news around the Austin Armadillos. Um, in case you didn't see, they signed former AG Big Mike, the Fijian Godzilla, uh, Michele uh, Nair Matanga. Um, who has dropped some pounds and looks really solid. There are rumors of other former Austin player signings. So we'll, we'll wait to see. Uh, I did talk with the guys from uh, rugby ops Inc and the head co- or the kind of people in charge of the Western conference for NARL. Uh, you can go listen to the other part of the other podcasts from earlier this week and, and take a, take a listen to that. Lots of good information. Um, you know, we'll see. They want to. They want to push push the MLR as as the top top league. Um, but you know, hey, we can all get along, have fun, and watch rugby league and watch rugby union. So uh, it'll be good. Alex, any any final parting thoughts as on this bye week and kind of relaxation going into into the next week? Uh, no, it's been a mad dash. It's been fun. Um, you know, it's it's good to see. It's all. It's all getting put together, and the the AGs are uh, they they are who we thought they were. We are who we thought they were. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, it's cool. So it's fine. Yeah, they it's, are who we thought they were going to be. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it's the, yeah, it's 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 they're playing the way this past match is playing the way that Alex and I thought that they would start playing. Um, you know, when we when the team was being announced. So, but all good stuff. Hey. If you want to go and support the AGs, you can go out. Did you know that you can go out there in your own Gil Groniak t-shirt or tank top? Alex, have you ordered yours yet? No. Tell me smalls. <laughs> you, Alex, you know it goes to charity. You can write it off because you're sending it to charity. 
come on, man. 100% of the proceeds are all Gil Groniak or Rugby for Texas t-shirts, tank tops, sweaters, jackets. There's a jacket, a Gil Groniak jacket. What? That's right. You can go check it out. Austin, uh, it's under the Austin Rugby Supporters tab on the rugbyshop.com, or you can just go to the website is uh, the rugbyshop.com forward slash Austin Rugby Supporters. That's where you get it. If you want to follow us on social media, hey, guess what? Austin Rugby Supporters again. It's like we try to do the same thing for all of them so you don't have to think too hard. What a concept. <laughs> uh, but, hey, Alex, always always a pleasure chatting rugby, having fun. And enjoy, and enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your off week, and we'll catch up soon. And for everybody else, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, glad just to sit down and talk rugby with you guys. Always a good time. For Alex Reese, I'm Dustin Zare. Until that next time, we'll see you on the pitch.